Hello, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we're positively obsessed with dog behavior. Join us each week as we discuss case studies, explore training concepts, and interview experts in the field of behavior. I'm Kayla Fratt, owner of Journey Dog Training, and today I'm interviewing Michael Shikashio, who's our first ever repeat guest. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you back. Um, so for those of you guys who don't remember, Michael runs AggressiveDog.com in southeastern Connecticut, where he works exclusively with aggression cases, although his partner Moira is a separation anxiety whiz. Michael is a certified dog behavior consultant, is fear-free certified, and teaches the aggression in dogs master course, which I actually took and found to be really, really excellent. Um, so I want to talk to Michael again today because he's got two really exciting new projects going on. One is a new podcast and the other is an aggression focused conference. So let's start out talking a little bit about the conference. Um, what is kind of your goal with starting this new conference, Michael? So I wanted to have a really aggression centric conference so everybody can get together and talk about aggression. Sometimes some of the other conferences, which are really great out there, uh, are, have aggression tracks, but I found that um, I wanted to really just get a bunch of different speakers on that, that topic alone mm -hmm. and also uh, bring in experts from other industries or at least other uh, lenses than what we're used to seeing. So, you know, typically we're, we're heavily focused right now on ABA and applied behavior analysis in the behavior world. Mm -hmm. So I was wanted to kind of also bring in like the neuro, neuroscience lens, the ethology lens and other views in how to work with aggression cases. So it could provide kind of a more uh, holistic and overall view of working with dogs who have aggression issues. Yeah, cool. I think that's part of what I'm most excited about and part of what I really appreciated about your Aggression and Dogs Master Course as well. Um, for those of the listeners who don't know, I've also been, I've taken classes on like cognitive neuroethology and that was like my favorite all-time class in college and find it a little odd how focused on ABA we can be as a community at times um, when yeah, there's just yeah, so I many other just amazingly uh, interesting lenses out there and some of them are... Yeah difficult to, to deal with. One of my favorite books is written by a neuroendocrinologist and it's all about hormones and neurons. And it's, you know, I don't know nearly as much about it as I would like, because it's just not something you yeah. can just teach yourself very easily. Right. And it's, it's one of those, you know, you can't learn about everything. You can't no. be an expert at everything by any means. And that's the nice thing is you get like these little bite-sized bits of different fields and how it relates to aggression in ways that are, can be easier for somebody like me to understand that mm -hmm. maybe not doesn't have anything any idea about things like what you were just mentioning. And, um, and it, it provides me that information in a way that's digestible and kind of if I want to explore that avenue further. You know, and it's not mm -hmm. to knock ABA at all. I mean, no, ABA, I course. think, is a great foundational science for understanding behavior. It makes it, it's really one of the best, I find, for making aggression understandable. So, uh, but I do feel, of course, we want to keep exploring and learning about different types of aggression and different uh, ways of approaching it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just to underline what you said about it, looking at all of these new interesting lenses, but still really focused in a specific way is probably... I think it's one of the things I'm really excited about it um, because yes, it's fun to just, you know, read my book about neuroendocrinology, but there's a lot of speculation that I feel like I do in my head when I read books like that and trying to relate it back to dogs and the work that I do. Um, that's probably kind of messy because I'm not actually an expert and it would be much better to right. 
right. and much and cleaner then, to just go straight through someone who can distill it for you towards what exactly. you actually need. Yeah, you need. I need that translator, so to speak, mm-hmm. in many cases. You know, so, like, if I'm reading about something new, like I was with, I uh, uh, went to a do as I do seminar with Claudia Fugaza, and uh, that you know, it's really interesting stuff. And I'm like, how would this apply to aggression? So it was great to pick her brain and like, you know, kind yeah. of get an oh, idea cool. about how things like that would apply or how cognitive, um, you know. Side of things would apply to aggression, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm really just um, just trying to expand the universe as far as knowledge about aggressive behavior in dogs. Yeah. So, kind of to that um, end, who are some of the different speakers, and what are they talking about? Um, so I'll mention some of the ones that I just recently recorded the podcast with. So uh, Kim Brophy is one of them, and she got you know she's getting rave reviews for her podcast because uh, she's exposed. You know she's she's talking about the ethology side of things, and she she has a really unique insight into that into the ethology applied ethology aspect of aggression in dogs and how that applies to behavior. Uh, we talk about the predatory motor sequence in the podcast, mm-hmm. and she, she really just knows her stuff. So she's going to be presenting on ethology and aggression at the conference. Uh, Jim Crosby, I haven't released that episode yet, but that well, will be probably soon. And he was talking about the forensic side of things and how dog, you know, really gets into the details of dog bites. And I learned some, I always learn something from Jim. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a, just a fascinating guy and really knows his stuff about dog attacks and dog bites and the statistics about dog aggression and he really is one of the foremost experts in the world on uh, that kind of topic Um, i also interviewed katina jones she's going to be talking about dog to cat aggression and Mm. a lot about cat behavior in general i think it's we sometimes forget as as dog trainers or some of us will forget as dog trainers that their cats are important too you know they're important part of the equation we have to understand their behavior as well when it comes to the dynamic of uh, dog to cat aggression issues mm-hmm. or cat to dog aggression issues and <laughs> yeah. um, a couple of other speakers uh, uh, like you know uh, Denise Fenzi of course is going to be speaking mm-hmm. she's speaking about the sports uh, dog sports world so how we uh, when we like dogs biting <laughs> so in that yeah. aspect of it and how that differs from you know uh, other types of aggression or aggressive behaviors and uh, our keynote speaker is going to be uh, Dr. Kathy Murphy, who's going to be talking about neuroscience. And um, it's, I'm, I can't wait for that because she's. Uh, we were talking the other day and about how she's pulling like 130 different studies and wow. to, to to like look at for her talk. So it's hers is going to be really good. And she's um, she launched the Barking Brains uh, Facebook page last year, and it's all about neuroscience and behavior in dogs. Really fascinating stuff. So uh, and it's quite a few other speakers. Can't sure. name them all, but there's, there's, uh, it's going to be very exciting. Very, yeah, very yeah, exciting. no, it sounds like a great group of people, and some of whom I've seen before, and some of whom who I haven't yet. So that's the other thing. I wanted to bring in some, you know, new names. Right. And I'm always looking for that, actually. So if uh, you know, I'm always looking for different ideas, different topics, um, and not necessarily, you know, seeing the same people over and over, uh, including myself. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't. Uh, you know, I want to see new information and, and um, new ideas. And I think there's really some talented people out there that just um, haven't been discovered yet. So that's my always my goal. I'm always, whenever I'm at a conference or, a, or seeing somebody's YouTube channel or Instagram channel, I'm like, oh, that'd be an interesting topic too for somebody to start speaking about. So, Yeah, that's uh, that's how we've gotten to several of our guests. It's just someone where, like, I saw a Facebook Live and was like, oh, my gosh, I need to talk to this person more. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a great lineup. Um, so is this kind of, are you kind of gearing more towards trainers who are working with aggression or like shelter this, workers, dog owners? Know, this is for everybody. This conference, if they have a dog that's aggressive or if they have, um, any kind of uh, interest in aggression, whether they're trainers, veterinarians, shelter staff, animal control officers, it's really for everybody. Yeah. And again, I wanted to gear that to, because it's, it's all about helping dogs who have aggression issues. And as you know, I'm sure one of the most common reasons for uh, owner surrender and euthanasia is behavior issues, aggression being one of them. So I really, really the, the topic or the focus of the conference is just helping dogs with aggression. Mm-hmm. I think that's our tagline, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But it, that, that's what it's all about. So if we can, you know, anybody who's interested in helping dogs with aggression can attend. And just, I think there'll be useful information for really everybody. Yeah. And do you know, are you going to be a pursuing approval for CEUs or anything? We are approved for all of the above. CPDT, awesome. um, IWABC, race credits for veterinarians. Um, uh, I think we're actually getting IACP credits as well. And I think we're getting PPG. Joanne, my partner, is in charge of that. So she's more gotcha. uh, savvy about the CEU side of things. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Although I, I've got to say, I'm between the uh, the Lemonade Conference got me really well stocked up on CEUs. <laughs> well, that's um, the nice thing about this year. It's like, you know, yeah. all the conferences are online, but they're all cheaper and we don't have to pay for travel. So, mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, somebody that goes to one conference a year can now go to all of them because they're all online and yeah. they're all I was affordable. planning on Clicker Expo being my only conference this year and instead I'm I am got to go to IABC and Fenzi because they combined and I think yeah. I'm going to get to go to this one and yeah, there, yeah, there's no I way mean, I would have been able to do. And I got to go to PenVet Working Dog Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally could not have physically done both PenVet and IABC because they were the same weekend originally. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's amazing. So even like, if I had all the things, money in the yeah. world um, versus, yeah. And, I, and to be honest, I'm still working through the Lemonade Conference. So. <laughs> everybody is. Everybody who I talk to is, is still working through it. But this is the year of education, really. I mean, everybody's yeah. at home. Get online see these conferences, 10 courses, whatever it is that you've been wanting to do for a while. It's a great year to do it. Yeah. You know? And I will say, um, conference videos pair really well with jigsaw puzzles in my experience. Um, yes. <laughs> I do a lot of, yes. uh, it helps me focus if I'm doing something with my hands. <laughs> um, so kind of with that, given COVID, I'm guessing this is online. Do you have any other details as far as how you know, how the online interaction may or may not work? Yes. So I was actually um, playing around with the web platform today. And what I like about our platform is that it provides a lot of other options other than just sitting there and watching something like a Zoom call. So we have, um, we're going to have the ability to create a profile. So any attendee can almost like Facebook create your own profile that says your interests. There's a matchmaking system also included in the platform. So if somebody likes Trayball and um, Agility, you would also have the option to be matched up with people of like interests. Oh, cool. Um, you can, there's going to be chat rooms involved. We're also going to have something called gamification, which is contests for prizes. And so uh, we're going to have a bunch of giveaways. And if you, you know, happen to attend a certain talk or uh, find a little clue somewhere, it's going to be really fun. So it keeps everybody actively involved and engaged. Uh, we're planning on a cocktail party as well, a virtual cocktail yes. party. So um, there's we have a virtual exhibit hall. So everything everybody's missing out, you know, when you go to like ABDD conferences and you see the, like you go to get all your swag and see oh, all the cool toys. exhibit halls. Yeah, you, we're going to have that. We're going to have the exhibit hall option. 
where there is going to be exhibitors displaying their products and services. So you get all of the same uh, uh, you know, information there, as well as the uh, exhibit hall person could be sitting there in the live video feed separately. So they can go into their booth and there they are to answer your questions. So um, lots of great options for this platform that uh, and it goes above and beyond. So I think many of the average Zoom calls that we're so used to now. Uh, and it's going to be recorded, so people will have the option to watch everything back for a year, including the uh, Q&A with the presenters. That's really great, yeah. Um, did you have an, in your list, um, are there any veterinarians who are going to be able to talk about medical stuff? Uh, uh, Dr. Amy Pike is going cool. to be Ooh, the veterinary behaviorist. Yes, she's great. I saw her at the Midwest. Oh, where did I see her? Midwest Veterinary Conference, I believe. Uh-huh. And uh, she's fantastic. She's a great speaker. And um, I knew I needed to have her for this conference. Yeah. Uh, it was tough to, to choose. You know, there's a lot of veterinary behaviors. There's a lot of great there. ones. Yeah. But uh, she's, she's the one this year. And uh, well, I'm certain I will have at least one or two for next year yeah. as well. No, and I'm excited to hear that it's someone that I haven't seen. You know, I'm. I'm always thrilled to see, um, you know, Dr. Pockle is one of your podcast guests we're going to talk about in a moment, but you know, I'm yes. always thrilled to see him, but it's great yeah, yeah, to hear more, more people. Um, and they all have something great to share. Um, is there any p- topic that you're kind of like most excited about, um, or one that you're, you're most excited to see? I'm, I mean, I'm excited for them all because I, you know, with, I talked to each speaker, you know, I kind of hand selected each one because I wanted to have a nice wide range of topics and something different, something really different than just, you know, uh, seeing a lot of theory. I wanted to see a lot of applied things going on. I wanted to see, you know, much more sort of substance to the talks instead of um, just theory. So, um, you know, there is going to be some theory, of course, you know, like Dr. Kathy Murphy's talk is going to be about neuroscience and aggression, but I, I you know, I, I want a nice broad overview of aggression. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for them all. I mean, <laughs> the topics are just, you know, when they, when I was talking with the speakers, they're just, they're so creative and excited about what they're going to present. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm I'm thrilled, and uh, I suppose we should mention when it is. Um, it will be October second to fourth of this year, twenty twenty. Early bird actually runs out July thirty first for ooh, all right. the conference. I so. don't actually know if this is going to be launched before then. Okay. Um, so, and is see. there is there a cap with your platform, or is it more or less like as many people who we can get as, can go? As many people, yeah. Awesome. That's an important thing to make sure there's no cap on it. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be really great because I think you said the original pot, uh, the, the original conference had sold out, right? It sold out in forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah, I, was yeah, I wasn't like, going to be able yeah. to make it. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, uh, you know, it's I, it feels a little glib to do the silver lining thing right now, but there are some things that are working out in our favor. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all right, so let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Michael's podcast. Hey guys, it's Kayla here from Journey Dog Training, dropping into the episode to tell you a bit more about what I offer here at Journey Dog Training. Aside from free resources like this podcast, my blog, and my YouTube channel, I offer low-cost behavior help in the form of ebooks and webinars to listeners like you. On journeydogtraining.com right now, you can find a webinar on how to prepare your dog for when you're expecting a new baby, and how to help your dog survive thunderstorms and fireworks. Both webinars are only $10. If you're more of a verbal learner, we've got three ebooks available one on separation anxiety, 
another on aggression, and a third on overexcited greeters. All of those ebooks are under $20. If you use the code CONVERSATION at checkout on journeydogtraining.com, you'll get 20% off of your order. And we're back. So I'm super excited to talk to Michael a little bit more about his new podcast. I'm totally thrilled that he's doing a podcast and I've already listened to all of the episodes. Um, So Michael, what got you excited to start a podcast? Someone nudged me to do it, actually. Sarah McManaman, who's uh, my awesome volunteer for the Muzzle Up project, Mm -hmm. uh, was suggested that, uh, you know, why don't you do a podcast? I'm like, I don't know if I have enough time for that. And then she's like, you know, you could probably do it. It just you just record a bunch of episodes and then you edit them, and they're ready to go, and you just have to release them. So she made it sound easy, and uh, <laughs> but it actually wasn't too it wasn't too difficult. Just like I, you know, I knew I could get some guests, and I knew I had uh, uh, some friends that would want to do this. So I reached out to a few of the initial guests, and there that started to happen. So uh, it's you know, of course, it's aggression focused, and you know, that's it's just another way to spread more information about how to help dogs with aggression and that's that's how it started so we're on our uh, at the time of this recording the fourth episode with jim crosby will be released on monday um and mm-hmm. then i'm trying to do one every week that might thin out a little bit as i go along but yeah because uh, that's a tough schedule to keep but um yeah it's super excited it had a really great uh launch you know with dr chris pockle's podcast he ended up in the uh, we ended up in the top 50 of uh, all podcasts for education Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I think he got something like 2,500 downloads in just a couple of days. So it's really fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. really great. Um, yeah, so what are some of the guests that you've got lined up that you maybe haven't? So we've mentioned Jim Crosby. Um, yes. That maybe uh, haven't been released quite yet, though. though. Who knows by the time this podcast goes live. Yeah, um, I've got a few others. I interviewed uh, Ali Bender and Emily Strong, who have Ooh. written the book Canine Enrichment uh, mm-hmm. for the Real World, I think it's titled. And uh, really, that that one's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to release that one because they are both brilliant and have so many great ideas about enrichment and how it relates to aggression in dogs. It's, they, you know, they've they, focus so much no more than just on enrichment and how you know stress plays a role in behavior uh and you know socialization plays a role in behavior there's so much there's so many diamonds in their book their book so i'm so glad to get them on i have uh, trish mcmillan coming up soon Uh, we're going to get heavy into that talk because we're going to talk about behavior behavioral euthanasia Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why her very popular facebook group losing lulu was launched and that has to do with when she had to euthanize her own foster dog yeah. for behavior issues, real severe aggression issues. And um, sort of we're going to touch on, you know, the topic of why or, or, you know, the topic of bullying and why bullying happens in the dog world. And that can be the unfortunate side effect with behavior euthanasia. Uh, and we're going to talk about why we can't save all of the dogs. You know, there's, yeah. there's cases where it's not reasonable, safe or ethical to continue working with a particular case or working with a particular dog because of the risks involved. So uh, excited to do that one. I've got uh, Sue Sternberg lined up. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get Daniel Mills. Um, It's been bugging him for a bit. So (laughs) hopefully he comes on. And uh, Jen uh, Shryock from Family Paws. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, for kids. Yes, cost to talk about dogs and children. So, yeah, quite a few uh, speakers in the lineup and uh, quite a few more I'm talking to and hopefully can get them lined up soon. 
Yeah, that's really great. I'm really excited for Trisha's episode. I think she was just on uh, Dr. Heckman's podcast, the Functional Dog Breeding Podcast, which is my oh, other new yeah. favorite podcast. We're interviewing oh, her next yeah. next after after yes. you, actually. Um, and um, yeah, that episode just totally blew my mind. Um, and there was something they were kind of conversing a little bit about if all breeders were ethical um, and producing really behaviorally sound dogs and doing a good job of matching those dogs, then and doing a good job of supporting people afterwards, then in theory, pretty much every dog that ended up in a shelter would be a dog that needed to be euthanized because the only times animals would actually end up, in, and they'll explain it, they explain it much better in the episode, but this concept that, yeah, like if we actually got our, our stuff together to have really, really responsible dog breeding and really, really responsible dog ownership, there still would be some of these cases. Um, and I think that's something we've talked about quite a bit, both on our podcast and just elsewhere of, um, as we've gotten better and better at saving dogs, um, we are seeing more and more of these really challenging cases. And as we've gotten more and more, you know, shelters have gotten better and better at working with them. That's where the trainers are having to come in and deal with cases that just would not have been adopted out 20 years ago. Yes. Yeah. But it would be really nice to have that, you know, the shift in, you know, responsible breeding and what really to breed for, which is sound behavior in dogs, mm -hmm. because that's, again, the number one reason they're getting surrendered and euthanized. Uh, so it's, it's, it'd be really nice that I, I, you know, I would hope to be out of a job, you know, in a sense that yeah. because less and less dogs would be aggressive because they're breeding them well, because a lot of it has to do with the breeding. And of course, you have the other reasons, you Absolutely. know, socialization, education of owners, but. Yeah. And there's always you know, going to be kind of that freak, unfortunate stuff. We had a case study on our, on our podcast a while back with um, Sonic, who, um, He's a four-time repeat breeding from an amazing breeder and all of his siblings like travel internationally doing agility and are totally great. And he just came out of the womb really funky. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, we're, we shouldn't do he Dr. Heckman's podcast without her. <laughs> um, we'll, get, we'll get her on soon. Um, so I also wanted to talk a little bit, and again, I actually have to reach out to Kim about having her on the podcast because of um, how interested I am with uh, ethology. She was one of my favorite modules in your aggression in dogs course. Um, but I wanted to talk about two different concepts that the guys, have, the pair of you discussed um, just as we're closing out here. So one that I just found really interesting that I think I've heard you talk about before is these really tough cases where you have a dog bred for protection. So, you know, we're thinking Malinois, Dobermans, Rottweilers, um, some of the bully breeds, although they're a little different. Um, and then you combine that with under socialization and fear. And you've kind of talked a little bit briefly online before about how those are really diff difficult cases, but I'd love to just talk about that a little bit more. Um, that's just the sort of thing that really piqued my interest. Yeah. So when you think about it, these dogs that are under socialized or fearful of uh, different stimuli are lacking confidence, you know, around that particular stimulus they're, they're because of the fear or the anxiety of or the potential um, threat from that stimulus. So whether it's other dogs or people because of under socialization or under exposure, then what happens when we start working on that, our goal as behavior consultants or trainers is to build confidence, to uh, change associations so we can start doing typical counter-conditioning, desensitization work with those dogs, and we're building confidence. So 
Now, if you think about that's the one kind of dog, and then you have another kind of dog that's purpose-bred, let's say, let's use the Belgian Malinois, purpose-bred Belgian Malinois from working lines used for police or military work or is sport work where it's very happy about doing its job to protect whatever it's protecting. So uh, the dog is very confident. We can use that as a construct, but it's, it's, the dog's very confident. Doing what it's doing is for a living, just like as a border collie is very happy to be chasing sheep or herding sheep in a lab is happy to chase a tennis ball and bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. We can reasonably state that those dogs are, are experiencing eustress and happiness when yeah. it comes to their work. Now, what happens if you get a combination of both of those? You get a dog that is fearful of something because they're under-socialized. So you take that Belgian Malinois that you got from working lines and then the pandemic hits and you can't go anywhere and you can't socialize your puppy, your, your Malinois puppy from the age of eight weeks all the way on up to six months or eight months of age. So the dog never sees anybody except like maybe you and your uh, neighbor or something like that. And mm-hmm. what happens when it sees its first child or first other dog, Bicycle. there's a potential for aggression there or at least some aggressive response to make that scary thing go away. So we can work on that. Mm-hmm. But then... We work on that. We build the dog's confidence. And then all of a sudden, the dog said, oh, that's right. I'm, that's what I'm supposed to do for a living. Because now I'm confident enough to protect my owner. And so it creates like this very uh, tricky balance of working with those two motivations for the behavior. And sometimes it's difficult to decide what's going on. Yeah. And and here's the other thing, too, is when, when we're cueing behaviors. So when we start cueing behaviors, um, we're kind of artificially removing the dog's choice. And in some con- contexts, we're removing the dog's option for flight. So let's say I say sit and stay. Great. Much better than biting somebody. Yeah. But if for a fearful dog, that's not very fair in many cases because we're asking them not to move away from that scary stimulus if they want to. Mm-hmm. So this, so in, our, in a lot of senses, there's consequences for them moving from that. It's either loss of the resource or the reinforcer rather, um, or worse in some cases. So not very fair for that animal. And when we remove choice for animals, we're increasing stress in a lot of cases. So that's the fine interplay. Now, if you have a dog that is very confident, we can ask them to sit and stay, and they're going to be okay with that because they're not trying to get away from the stimulus yeah. necessarily. They may be trying to make the stimulus go away if it's a big enough threat, but that's there's so there's that fine interplay and and it can get tricky because if we don't know what's really going on underneath the hood, we could be doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's and on the opposite side of the coin too is um, a big buzzword is things like and I was talking to uh, Emily and Allie about this um, yesterday about agency. So agency mm-hmm. is you know again control on the environment, empowerment, choice. Those are all very key buzzwords right now, which yeah. are really important. It's important that learners have are empowered to act on their environment, as Susan Friedman would say. However, we have to be careful with dogs that the purpose-bred working line Belgian Malinois, we can't just say, you know, go do what you want to do. No, <laughs> no, we cannot. <laughs> that can go, go, go wrong very quickly. So if we empower that Belgian Malinois to act on its environment, we can run into some serious trouble. So it's, that's where a skilled consultant can kind of determine the difference in what is most reasonable for that particular dog. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's also where, you know, another big thing that's, again, a really great thing is classical counterconditioning, desensitization and counterconditioning. That's mm-hmm. the big shorthand buzzword when we're working with behavior problems for aggression or fear. 
Mm -hmm. So that might be used improperly for some dogs. Yeah. So and that's why that's why I love going back to Kim Brophy's talk is that we really need to understand what the dogs are purpose bred for because if we don't, we might be inadvertently reinforcing the dog for the undesirable behaviors. Yeah, and this is where um, you know when I'm working with clients and. And I actually, we have this conversation anytime they're skeptical of the concept of counter conditioning is I just say, great, well, let's start taking data. We'll see whether it's increasing or decreasing because I could be wrong. And most of the time I'm right <laughs> that counter conditioning is what we need to be doing and it is going to decrease the barking or growling. Um, but um, yeah, you're right. There are some of these cases where the dog isn't actually feeling fear. So you know, we're not counter conditioning anything because there's nothing to counter condition against. We're just rewarding. Right. Um, right. We, right. we can, we can inadvertently reinforce those operant behaviors. Yeah. yeah. When we actually have, um, I have not actually been full disclosure. I've not been paid to work with a dog like this yet. Um, or hired, um, through journey dog training to work with a dog like this yet, but we have, um, a Malinois at work, um, with working dogs for conservation who have dogs sat before. Um, and she was raised in a border patrol, um, ice training facility, I believe. Um, I know she was destined to do something on the border, um, and flunked out of training and then sat in the kennel facility while the government shuffled papers until she was ready to be adopted out. Um, and our organization took her. She's an amazing, amazing detection dog. Um, but she is one of those dogs who lacks a lot of confidence. Um, and there have been times when I've dog sat her where something will set her off outside. Um, you know, a, a bike, a cyclist going by and then she and all the other dogs in the house rush and bark at the cyclist and the cyclist leaves and the other dogs all settle down and she'll turn to you if you're not her normal person and then do kind of this very conflicted looking bark and hold behavior while she'll, she'll stand and bark at you with her tail fully tucked um, for minutes and minutes on end. Um, and you know, the first couple times that it happened to me, we went through like all of this interesting, I was like, okay, do I need to, uh, you know, tell you to sit, tell you to lie down, just ignore you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, eventually getting her, convincing her to go get her toy instead kind of was the thing that I found I could snap her out of it if I didn't have food on me. Um, but that's one where throwing food at her was not the first thing that I thought of because I didn't, it didn't seem like it was a counter conditioning sort of thing, even though her tail was tucked. Like, and it's, it's a hard thing for her owner to deal with too, because she never does it when her owner's around. It's really when she's like being dog sat um, and she's got that sort of stress going on in her life. Right. Yeah. Scary stuff. I yeah. Mean, you know, it's the, the, the underlying, you know, what could happen there is that redirected aggression, you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, I can't get to this thing. So I got to take it on something else because I'm a Malinois. <laughs> yeah. No, the first right. time it happened, I definitely spent a very long time and I was kind of curled up on a, on an armchair with my laptop and I was like, well, I'm just not going to move until you've decided you're done with this because I like trying to get up to put a leash on you and move you somewhere or do anything just seems like it could trigger this into a worse situation. And I don't really need a Malinois hanging off my arm right now. <laughs> yeah so you do the right thing yeah yeah no and and you know as i said since then she actually hasn't done it to me for several months mm -hmm. now because i think we know each other well enough but um yeah she it, it's super interesting and just like trying to think through those situations um and i would imagine with her um that if you were hired to work with her i i would plan on starting with counter conditioning 
and then eventually moving into more of like an operant trained alternative response instead um, to get her, because I, I don't think sticking with counter conditioning forever would actually be the long-term plan for her. Right. And and as Kim was mentioning in the podcast too, it's some dogs need direction. You know, they, mm-hmm. they will, they actually function better when we give them direction rather than, than them trying to uh, figure out what to do on their own because that can bring anxiety to them. That can add stress to the overall situation. So a lot of dogs do need our, our help in, in what we are expecting them to do in that particular environment. Yeah. And I think that actually is what we were going to be talking about next was kind of this really interesting discussion you and Kim had had about, um, you know, where choice and control can, it, it's great. It's definitely something that I think the average dog probably could use more of. And then there are these cases where there there needs to be some. Stru- I mean, there, I think almost any dog you can argue needs some amount of structure. You know, this is why we have doors, um, <laughs> and why I have <laughs> yeah. a lid on my trash can because yeah. <laughs> my dog's choice would always be to eat the trash. Um, but um, and then even again more in kind of some of these working breeds and particularly herding breeds where giving them kind of clear rules and understanding of like yes we herd the cows but no we don't herd the children. Um, is really necessary. So do you want to talk about that, Annie? Yeah. So, you know, if you have dogs, again, from working lines or dogs that are coming from breeders that are purpose-bred for other tasks, you're running a high risk in those cases if you don't do anything that replicates what they've been bred to do in some manner, just kind of satisfy that innate uh, need to, to do that kind of work. And so what can happen is you get these maladaptive behaviors, which Kim talks about, in which the dog starts to say, well, I got to do it somewhere. I got I to take this out on something. And then it starts to happen to other things. So the dog starts nipping at the kid's heels and the or border collie starts nipping at the dog's, the kid's heels. And the parents don't know why, you know, why is the dog doing this? It's the dog being aggressive towards my kids. It's, you know, so it's a predatory aggression. Or, you know, so there's yeah. these really interesting questions that come from the owners, but it's because there's, there's needs to be an understanding and an outlet for that dog to do that particular work. So channeling that and giving the dog alternative activities to do that as best we can and as safely we can is, is really important. So, um, again, if we don't, if I think one of the most important things is that we don't need to focus on uh, stopping the dog from doing that. We channel it elsewhere, but we also have to be very proactive about setting the environment mm-hmm. so that the behavior doesn't happen in the first place, and so we can re- reinforce desirable alternative behaviors that we might cue in the first place. So, like the border collie goes out in the backyard, let's have you place. Go to your station mm-hmm. and then watch the kids run around. That way I don't have to punish you. That way nothing bad happens for you. You're going to get reinforced right away because I've set the environment correctly for that. And then I'm going to give you some other outlets, you know, whether it's chasing a flirt pole or, you know, something else. Try it all. To, to Exactly. To um, give alternative activities for that dog to satisfy its, its innate needs for that particular type of behavior uh, sequence. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I found really interesting, so I, as most of our listeners know, I have a pretty crazy border collie um, who I, I love very dearly. And um, I uh, I found it really interesting when we were doing a lot of herding lessons, how much um, learning to work with him when he was in that frame of mind and learning to work him on sheep really helped me um, and helped him be able to listen to cues 
and respond more appropriately in other similar situations. Um, and he's never been a border collie that's super hurdy. Um, he actually was not very great at the hurdy lessons, um, <laughs> but uh, it still was just really useful to learn how to work with him while he was in that frame of mind. And if I can get him to down at a distance around sheep, I can get him to down at a distance um, around horses or some other situation where, no, he wasn't great at herding the sheep and moving them really precisely, but he still definitely wanted to move the sheep, um, which is almost worse, um, especially in a situation where now that I live in Montana and many of my favorite hiking trails are multi-use trails where we're going to see horses um, mm -hmm. and really helping him understand uh yeah, if you can down around sheep, you can down around horses, and the horses are just going to move by, and you're never going to get to chase them. Um, that is never an option that I'm going to give you. Um, and he, at this point, now we can just pass horses just fine. But it did. It it was really useful to have all of that experience for both of us. Right, and and, speak, and it just speaks volumes about being proactive about it because you know the one time he goes and chases a horse, it could be could be the last time life threatening. Yeah, um, but also you know you don't want him practicing that behavior because it's self reinforcing in a sense. So oh yeah, he would have a blast. You know, um, yeah, so it's uh, again when when it comes to the owners that I work with, it's tr trying to set the scenarios up so they can be proactive uh, about those and, and practice environments that um, are. Easier at first, but then work up to something like what you're doing is like, okay, let's take it on the road where there's live animals <laughs> around. Yeah. No, and it's interesting to um, one of the other Malinois that we have at work that um, I, I do quite a bit of dog sitting for as well. Um, he also, he was supposed to be a Green Beret um, and was terrible at biting people. He actually has very few, I've never seen him do like any sort of bark and hold protection-y sort of behaviors, but he's definitely one of those Malinois with a really strong kind of oral fixation. Um, and whenever I take him home, um, I have to put all of the toys up because he will just pace and chew and pace and chew um, constantly and shred as many toys as, as he has. Um, but if you put all the toys away, he's able to relax and turn off and lie down. Um, and I think that that would be really counterintuitive um, were you to bring a dog like him home. Or I actually had to do this with my dog, Riley, as well. When I first brought him home the first year or so, we rarely had toys just free um, until they were able to learn that, yeah, just because toys are around doesn't mean you have to be engaging with them. Um, and it would be really counterintuitive as a new owner to say, oh, my gosh, I've got this toy-obsessed dog. He's really high energy. I'm going to give him as many toys as I can. Um, and obviously hitting those energy needs is a part of the plan, but actually removing some of those choices is another part as well. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like somebody, like a party animal, just going out and leaving cocaine all around, all around the house for them. This, uh, yeah. The dopamine rush is just, you know, would be too much for them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, and, and yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it's, and it's how everything is a study of one and, you know, sometimes yeah, more, more exercise is what you need. And sometimes it's like, no, no, I think actually putting this dog in an X-Pen, um, removing his choice to really do much other than sleep is actually, he needs enforcement yes. nap time. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Michael, do you have anything else that you want to add or talk about um, before we head out? Any other plugs you need to plug? <laughs> 
Uh, no, just keep an eye out for the Aggression and Dogs Conference in October. Uh, and I've always got my master course running. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have um, a lot of guest webinar speakers coming on. I've had about five in the last couple months. So I'm, I'm going to be bringing in some more guest speakers so people are not getting sick of seeing my face and my, hearing my voice on these webinars. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring, bring another specialist for aggression as well awesome. uh, over the course of this year. Yeah, cool. Um, well, so you can find Michael at aggressivedog.com. Um, and that podcast, what is the, or, um, what's your podcast link? And then what's the conference link? It's, uh, the bitey end of the dog is the name of the podcast Great. and the aggression conference can be found at the loose Okay. Perfect. And that's uh, Joanne's website. Yeah. And we'll link all of those for, for you listeners who are inclined to look that up once we're done. Um, so before we go, make sure that you guys subscribe to canine conversations, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can find episode notes and bonus materials at canineconvos.com and it's canine all spelled out. Um, you'll also be able to contact us at hello at canineconvos.com or, um, comment on this on our Facebook. If you've got any questions or, um, ideas, that's a really great public way for other people to say, yes, yes, I was wondering this too. Um, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Our theme music is called Funny Song. It's provided royalty-free from bensound.com. Our audio is mixed and edited by James Eady at beheard.org.uk. And our logo is from Walker Hooper, who is on Instagram at walkers underscore username. Thanks for listening. <laughs>